0: Hello and you're very welcome to a podcast which is all about the Irish League. My name is Peter Cinnamon and this week we're going to look slightly beyond our rather busy festive schedule and into the minefield that is the January transfer window. We're already getting into the spirit of things across the league. A couple of players being put on that completely theoretical transfer list. And to celebrate on the podcast we're going to pick through each Premiership side and summarise what might be at top of their shopping lists post the Boxing Day sales. We reflect on the past weekend's games, as we always do, and look forward to what will be the final pre-Santa game week on the way, to cram together what should be another great edition of Kicking Match. (music) so many last minute additions to the script this week which means I have plenty to get through therefore let's get you reacquainted with my guest this week football writer blogger and the man behind football chatters hello and welcome back Lewis Bennett Thanks, Peter. Doing all right. Final few days before the man in the big red suit comes down the chimney. I think everybody like looked at their calendar, saw it was Monday, realised we've only got a few more days before the final weekend, and then Christmas is on Monday. Like We're, we're a week away as of recording. How is your present bang anxiety? Is it high? Is it low? Or are you feeling confident?
1: I would say, well... <laughs> At the time of recording, I haven't done any of it, so um, yeah, a bit of a mad dash.
0: Not good, then. Not good the answer. Yeah,
1: hopefully by the time this is out, I will have um, the vast majority of it done.
0: Look, Lewis, we all have deadlines in life, and it's not about how you start, it's how you finish. And uh, uh, there is plenty of time to do all the good things that you need to get done. To kick this podcast off properly when it comes to Irish chat, which I, I know why you're here, listener. We're going to slightly change things up because I feel as though we have to bring this right up to the top. News broke on Monday morning after a little bit of rumbling in the days beforehand. Ben Kennedy of Crusaders has been put on the transfer list. This comes from over the weekend. His manager Stephen Baxter giving a no comment when it comes to any questions around Ben Kennedy. I thought that was intriguing. It said to me something was a brewing and there was and there is. After all the speculation during the summer where we saw a big statement tweet from Crusaders pointing fingers but not in any specific direction about potential crossing the line when it comes to chatting to Ben Kennedy, the player from other clubs. Now he's on the transfer list. His days at Crusaders pretty much are are almost up. You don't see this happen without a move in the pipeline. There are many people that are likely to be in the queue to try and sign him firstly was that quite surprising when you saw pop up online
1: yeah stephen baxter was very um he gave a very abrupt response in terms of um transfer talk in relation to ben kennedy he wasn't particularly willing to discuss it and i thought in terms of how sharp he came across it suggested that there certainly was something brewing behind the scenes and um we've now had confirmation that that ben kennedy is has been transfer listed by crusaders we've got Lauren length we've got glen Torren link we've got linfield link the other full-time clubs that are interested in him and you can see why crusaders had got him after he had impressed with stevenage across the water really impressed as one of the best players in his position in the Irish League it looks like certainly his future lies elsewhere certainly he's one of the league's top talents and uh, naturally those sorts of players will command interest Lauren seems to have been particularly heavily mooted I'm sure we'll come on to it with Chris Gallagher but it seems that Lauren are doing their homework around the Irish League and are are, are planning on making a few moves certainly early doors it's something to follow in January.
0: It's blockbuster really wherever he may go let's talk about the player he's 26 he is for me one of the best players in the league and an immense talent he is a midfielder he can pass he can move he can score goals he can dictate games the big issue he's had is staying fit and getting a run of games and and a long run run of games at that last season his his entire season was pretty much cut off at the knees very early on after getting an injury that took him out for most of the season if not like 90 percent of the season he was away for then he comes back late on last season gets a full summer there's a speculation other clubs are interested in him then he starts the season incredibly well the big bright spark being that Huge performance against Carrick where he bags a whole bundle of goals himself in that 9-0 victory. And everything was looking great for him and Crusaders. They were pepped as one of the dark horses in the title race. They looked fantastic. We've talked a lot in this podcast about how that's fallen away. And for him now, who would, would want to enter that race? And the answer is in the Irish League, absolutely everybody every team would have space in their starting 11 their squad for a player of this ability and of this talent and he will be a big loss for the crews if he does move on they've had to work without him for a majority of his time at the club but he will be a big loss and he will be symbolically a difficult player to lose if he was to move to another team. We've we've talked about how we have these full-time clubs in Linfield, Lorne and Glen Tord. And then Crusaders were the team that were just on the edge a couple of years away from their own title win. Hanging about there, winning cup competitions, doing well in Europe. And they didn't want to fall behind. And in the past few weeks, when it comes to the title race, they have fallen behind. They didn't have a big run at the title last season. And it only takes a couple of years for you to fall ever so slightly out of that top, top tier, which they were in. And it'd be hard to argue that they are not in there right now. So to lose a player like him is going to be tough on the squad, but symbolically it will be difficult as well. It happens, let's be clear. Players move around all the time. The thing is, is that he's under contract. And if he is to move in January, which looks likely, I would say, only because, well, he's on the transfer list. He hasn't been playing for Crusaders over the past few weeks. Signs would point to being connected to this potential riff. If there has been a riff or there's been a a mutual disagreement on, on the future of, of him as a player. So, who are the likely candidates? It has been mooted that Lorne... With Linfield and Glentoran would be the front runners, all three teams would be after him. It does feel to me that Lorne would be the team that would push the boat out. We've seen them pay the money when they believe in a player, and if there's a player to believe in, it would be Ben Kennedy. So they could stop up the cash to prove in it. It's been an attractive place for a lot of players from a lot of clubs in Belfast. And it's an area of the pitch actually and it will be a theme for this podcast where trying to look at January where teams would like to improve what's the area that they, they really could do with a boost that midfield of Lawrence it's got plenty of bodies it's got a lot of strength and backbone to it but it's the one area where you think that's exactly where he could fit in very easily him alongside Miller plus one other he boosts that team immensely if he was to go.
1: Absolutely. And how he operates in central areas and his ability to link an attack. You know, he's a player that can score goals as we discussed and he can also lay off assists. He is a player that's good at controlling the ball and he he can pick out passes that very few players in the Irish League can. So for Larne having a very strong squad, a squad that's strong in quality and in depth, he's one of the few you would think in the Irish League market that would offer something a little bit different to what they already have. I think if Lauren can get Ben Kennedy on board and he would sort of fit the bill, he's a player that has extensive pedigree. He's, he's, he's got a lot of good years ahead of him. Um, He's, you know, you could argue he's only just entering his prime years. Now, a lot of upside, I think from Lauren's point of view, and it would make them especially formidable in attack.
0: Linfield, of course, would very much be interested in a player like Ben Kennedy. The thing about Linfield is that as much as they have spent the cash before we just haven't seen them absolutely break that piggy bank uh, and go for a player. And I think if whoever does sign Ben Kennedy, it will be a big statement because it will be taking a player from arrival and it will be saying that we are, we are going for this. I think if he does go to Lauren, that's really scary for the other teams around him. There will be questions about his ability to stay on the pitch. That's where the conflict will be of, of where the price may be. What what is it going to be? Who knows? Obviously, Lee Bonus is the bench for ever. It's a benchmark for for everybody when it comes to prices, higher, or lower. That's hundred grand. Levi Eyes was was sixty five, I believe, or or just a wee bit lower than that. You're saying somewhere between fifty and hundred, maybe. If, if if it is going to be cash, how much death in the contract? So, uh, that will be the big move in January if it does go down. Glenthorne are in a different position where they actually have got a lot of players in midfield. They have Sule, they have Burns if they want to play in there. McCartan can drop in. So do they need to use their resources elsewhere? Perhaps. With Glenthorne, you never rule anything out. Could it be beyond here? Maybe, but that would probably be the most left field just because he hasn't as much. He had a great start to the season. There's, there's so much stigma, it feels like, from beyond the Irish League, about Irish League players. And health is going to be one of the things that will scare them off. So I, I would support any player that wants to go beyond uh, the league, of course. If you can push on, absolutely do it. But it would be probably option D. If the, it would be the, the thing that would surprise me the most. To keep this this chat around transfers rolling, as January's just over 10 days of time of recording. The other one linked is Chris Gallagher, Cookie Gallagher, from... The Reds' key chat is that he is going directly to Lauren. Uh, I believe it's the Belfast Telegraph, who are reporting that he's actually going to sign or has signed a pre-contract, because he's out of contract at the end of the summer. In the same way that we talked about Ben Kennedy, I can see why they have bodies, but Gallagher is a quality addition to that centre midfield, and I could see him fit in very easily. In fact, if it was to be Kennedy, Miller, and Gallagher, that would be... Excellent three there for them. They could go. They are number ones. What it means for the other players that are floating around there from the the Randalls or particularly the Sloanes? you got to think if, if any of those two deals are going to happen in January if you were to go, right? If Gallagher's going to go, let's just make it happen now and, and get some cash in the same way that we were talking about Ben Wilson last week on the podcast. You've got to think of players like Sloan. Could they move one way or the other? But Gallagher, quality player. You can see why Lauren would like to add him to their engine room.
1: Yeah, that seems to be a done deal, that one. All the speculation over Kennedy. But with Gallagher, it seems that Lauren is it's a one stop shot. It's interesting because there is that conundrum. Yes, it seems he signed a pre-contract, but will he move in, in the winter or will he move next summer? I think it presents a conundrum for Cliftonville firstly, because in January, yes, they could get a fee for him at that point and potentially a player swap, but then that's also they're seeing a key player move to a title rival right as they're trying to fight towards the top of the table themselves. So That's one side of the coin. Otherwise, this is public knowledge now, and they continue with him to the end of the season, and and he goes to Larn then. So it's interesting from Cliftonville's point of view how they manage this, but then in terms of what Gallagher could offer Larn, he's a player I've always been impressed by. I think he just offers something different to Cliftonville's midfield. You know, he may wear the number six on his back, but he's he's more than a than a holder. He's someone that can get forward, contribute in attacks, as he showed against Lockall with an absolute peach of a strike. Um he is somebody that can get up and score goals as well. He is an engine room and somebody who can who can last ninety minutes and he works well on both sides of the ball. From Lauren's point of view, that's it's it's a really good bit of
0: business. It it sounds daft, but it, it does make me not doubt but be skeptical of any time I see a Cliftonville player linked to Lauren I'm thinking is this just one-on-one ha- has to make two because there's just so many from Paul O'Neill went there Levi Ives last summer we've seen Tomas Cosgrove I guess McDade and uh Donnelly did pre them getting into the top flight from Cliftonville it's just been <laughs> It's just been constant every year. There there's it's been, it's been moving that way. So and of course Aaron Donnelly as well. So and top tiers, you probably see it in the League of Ireland, players are moving around, all the big clubs. It's 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 just how it comes together. But I, I imagine it slightly irks <laughs> the fans of another one. <laughs> how does this keep on happening? But it's it's working well for Lauren. And for them, I'm sure they're agnostic of where their players come from. They just want a great squad. And they've shown, despite winning the championship last year, they are continuing to go, we want the best players that, that suit our club. And we've been, since the lifespan of this podcast, we've talked about how many of the Lauren transfers have hit. And it's how they built their club, by bringing in the right players at the right time. Last week we talked about Roy Brown being rumoured that's now gone beyond that he has been transfer listed by Glenavon. That looks as though that is also something that we'll keep an eye on for January. Uh, the talk is dairy, but again, nothing uh, that's really concrete at this stage
1: yeah, Rory Brown's a good goalkeeper. I think he's been a great addition to Glenavon and um, also being one of the youngest goalkeepers in the Irish League. He is somebody that's came in and made a real positive impression. And he's came up with big saves when needed, be it recently, be it the tail end of last season, whenever Glenavon went on that run to the playoff and they had that unbeaten run. And yes, the talk is Derry City very heavily interested in him. If they're number one. It's it's an important position and, and a strong goalkeeper inspires confidence in the defence
0: Young, ambitious, highly rated Uh, he has been a a solid player uh, for Glenavon and it's one of those things that all of our clubs will get used to and are used to, good players do good other people will be interested in them he tried his best but uh, couldn't will his Glenavon side to a victory or getting any points as two goals went into his net at Morview Park from Linfield who hoffed and puffed and eventually got the victory over side, who were down to 10 men for a majority of the game. The 18th minute that Robbie Gard got what was his fifth, I heard, uh, his fifth red card for the club which almost probably seems low. Uh, unfortunately he had nothing to cry about when it comes to the decision. He dived in, his boot was high, he caught Mulgrew and he left his side with an absolute mountain to climb
1: yeah no qualms about the robbie garrett red card i don't think there was any malicious intent but it was high his studs were raised and he caught jimmy mulgrew quite visibly so i think he can have no complaints about that for the first goal i think kirk miller deserves a lot of credit actually in terms of on the right hand side he tried to cross the ball and it sort of bobbled away but he chased after it and and helped get the ball back. Um, and it was lovely close control by Reesynet in the box and, and a really well placed finish into the bottom left corner. And the second goal, Aidan Doherty. I mean, he got that brilliant assist for Ewan East in the in the um in the uh, McLean Cup against Lauren. The really really good delivery into the box for you East and Easton, and eventually that that led to Linfield winning on penalties. On this occasion, it was a really, really nice touch, uh, a brilliant turn and a super well-weighted pass into Joel Cooper, who finished really well. And yes, David Healy's had to rely a lot on young players stepping up to the mark. We've seen Annette come in. He scored uh, a couple of goals against Dungannon. Uh, we've seen Doherty come in. We've got Kieran O'Neill and... Um, and Braden Graham come in, kids of 15 and 16 years old coming into the team. This recent run's required David Healy to certainly um delve into his depths of reserves and I'd say it can be expected in January that Linfield will be looking for reinforcements. But that's been the hallmark for me in this recent run is the way that the young players have came up. They've, they've been fearless, they've been confident, and they've been able to make a mark in a, in a really big way and, and keep Linfield in a really good position in the title race obviously there was the defeat against larne at home the um the 2-1 defeat but to be fair since then there was that defeat there was the glentoran defeat but they haven't buckled they've um they've they've got back on on their feet and although they've been depleted they've counted on their full squad and particularly with the young players david healy's space has been repaid in them so i think that's the main takeaway i have is, uh in terms of the way that the young players have came in and and just really made a really big impression.
0: These teenagers are going to have to step up huge for Linfield now because you come into a period where they play this Saturday, then they play on Boxing Day on Tuesday, and what's going to be one of the biggest games of the season, the highest attended game of the season unless there's something unusual happens to now and May, and then they've got a game that following Saturday. Three games in the space of 7 days and They are already looking tired. They're already looking depleted. Gene Mulgrew came off at halftime. In comes Josh Archer for him. There are sparks here with Reese Annette or Annette. We haven't got our official confirmation on how that's said one way or the other. Forgive me. He's getting goals. That's three and two games. Confidence will be going through him. But that is... Relying a lot on young shoulders like that. And they'll want to have players like McKee coming back ASAP. It's in the centre of that park. Which is the area of real concern. Where we have Chris Shields out. No Fallon. See what's happening with Mulgrew. They have bodies. But they don't have the the absolute top end quality. That you need to just keep a consistent title run going. Lorne so far look as though they've had the bodies they've dealt their little injury blip and they've dealt with it very well overall and uh, it looks tight but you can see particularly those two games they they did not dominate that Glenavon side despite having the one man advantage it, it just wasn't as fluid but credit has to go to Glenavon they have grown into the season defensively especially they are battling their firm and compared to the start of the season they just look like a completely different team but a lot of of worry around Linfield going into these games especially with the form of Lauren which I touched on who get uh, another win against uh, Crusaders there on Friday night it was all in the second half a header from Bonus was right in the middle of a brace from Andy Ryan they came out after the second half It was a bit of a dull affair, it's fair to say, but uh, they came out, they changed things, uh, they get the goals and they get the points.
1: That keeps Lauren taking over that win on Friday night. I have to say the second goal, bonuses goal, really, really good sequence in the build-up to that. I thought in terms of the way that they got from one, one end of the pitch to the other, in terms of the way that the move was worked, I think that's one of the best goals I've seen this season in terms of the build-up. It was just an absolutely beautiful sequence. It culminates in a really good delivery into the box by that man, Leroy Miller, and a really powerful header in in Johnny Tuffy's near post by Lee Bonus. I think Stephen Baxter has reason to be disappointed. Their record against um, the teams around them in the table I don't think has been good enough. They were so imperious at home last season, but it's it's taken a slide this time, and he won't be best impressed. Um, and also, I don't think he'll be best impressed by um, Billy Joe Burns sending off for the second yellow card. I thought it was absolutely needless from such an experienced player. The ball was rolling away. It was um, He'd lost the challenge, but he shouldn't have lunged in in that situation.
0: The red card for Burns is tough to take because it now it's a one area of the pitch that they do not need suspensions in it's it's an area where they're pretty much down to the bare bones now they're missing so many big names big players and it's just stretching it ever thin and especially when you're in, in such poor form it, it's just going to make things feel even more difficult i know cruise fans feel as though they got themselves back into the game thanks to what was an amazing volley on the run from Heatley uh, which was chalked off for offside but that's the way the game goes then, it goes pretty much other end of the pitch and then they they say it's a bit of a a light touch penalty but in the end they weren't sharp enough defensively for the first two, Miller's making his presence felt more and more in recent games from set pieces and from crosses which you think size of a a player that he is he's got to get as much juice out of that as possible and it's it's another very efficient alarm performance after not really getting off to the most nippiest of starts they made their alterations at halftime and just blew the doors off uh, the crews very quick and very sharp um talking about teams you get red cards and then they're not able to influence the game as much for Glentoran. They'll be thankful that they scored first and then conceded their red card afterwards as they went up against the bottom side, Nuri, and they got the early lead. And like maybe minutes after that goal, it's Aiden Wilson who's only back into the side, uh, is a judge to have stamped uh, a Nuri player, and then it's Glentoran who have to hang on at home against Newry, anything but a victory there was going to be a disaster result and they are able to deal with everything that Nuri threw at them and uh, they get the three points it's job done there
1: yeah that's the main takeaway I think for Glenn Torrin and Warren Feeney is it's three points and a win on the board it was a good go by Shane McCartan a really instinctive flick on from I think it was Jay Donnelly's header from the set piece that McCartan had flicked home. Maybe it's presumptive to say they're getting back in the title race, but they're they're continuing to, to, to get those three points. Um and even though they've had their injury issues, you know, that's still happening. They're still winning games. Um, and they have a cup final to look forward to in the new year as, as part of that. So I think Warren Feeney's done a good job in recent weeks and another clean sheet, of course, is, is a bonus for them as well. Some debate over the red card for Aidan Wilson and an alleged stamp on Adam Carroll. Personally, I think it's touch and go. I think some referees give it. I think some others may may not.
0: He he didn't need to do it. That's, that's the thing. It was the play had already been blown to a halt and then he flicks a boot out. Was he flicking the ball, which was in between the new players legs whatever it was the referee saw something because there was a a flick the boot did move he had judged that to be a stamp and it's it's giving people opportunities to make decisions i'm sure that's what the glam fans and glam coaches will be saying it didn't need to be a decision to be made and the decision went against them or was rightfully administered and uh, it could have cost uh, glenn Torn. it didn't and I, I know people will say sometimes going against 10 men, especially when they have the lead, is difficult. It's not the same kind of game. Glentoran weren't going to be as open and like we we're, were trying to play them on a counter to try and double the lead. But, Nuri just could not get anything going. It just seemed to be long ball after long ball that they never chased down and, and got anything attacking going forward. I know they're not used to it and Glentoran had plenty of players that could have punished them from a counter. Nuri just couldn't get their attack going.
1: I think that's been a bit of a tale of it for Nuri this season. I believe that's 10 games without a win now in the league. They're at the bottom of the table. They're they're behind Balamini United on goal difference. Um... And and it's been a source of frustration for Gary Boyle because the performances haven't always been poor, and it's been the case both against the teams around them and at the top end of the table. As was the case here, they've been tight score lines. They've occasionally picked up points, but they've had too many tight games this season that they've they've came out on the wrong end of, and the position they're in. They just need to get points and they need to score goals. You you look even at the Balamina United game that finished 0-0 and and they were playing against 10 men. Again, that's where you want to take advantage. Unfortunately, on this occasion and not for the first time, Neri haven't taken advantage.
0: Talking about not scoring, not getting points. We go to Balamina once again. What is it? In the double figures of ours now where they just haven't even scored. They've only scored 11 goals all season. It's almost half a goal a game and they concede a fair whack as well it was two on this occasion they were able to make things difficult for Carrick but Carrick were eventually able to squeeze a lead and then Danny Perkins put a, a bow on it with a late winner to make it two so it will be job done for, for Carrick and again this season of pain for Balamina just keeps on rolling
1: Six games without a goal for Balmain United. I mean, it's clear where their struggles lie because actually they
0: like 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 six games like you're, you're not even getting wins. It's like six without a goal. Like Balmain have not cheered a goal in in that long. That's just that's so so tough. It's
1: it's been really disappointing, and I think what'll disappoint Jim Arvin even more is actually they've got the best defensive record of any team in the bottom six. They've conceded thirty-eight goals this season in terms of their defensive record, which is it's better than Glenavon and it's only three worse off than Coleraine. But eleven goals so far is just—it's not good enough. And yes, they had it. They had that brief spell from Noah Stewart where he was scoring a few goals. So he was getting in good positions. There was the win over Coleraine where Alex Gawn hit the mark, and Isaac Westendorf has got a couple as well. But it's just that consistency and balamina have well, they've been consistent in not scoring right now, unfortunately, but they've just got they've got to find an answer from somewhere because at the moment, if they want to get out of this battle and they want to start closing the gap on the likes of Dungannon who've been upping their game in the scoring stakes, they really need to find somebody who can step up to the mark and, and score goals on a consistent basis because. To go six games without scoring a goal and they had a poor run last season under David Jeffrey as well. I think it was, was it 1 or 2 and 11 that they had. For Irvin stepping into that situation, that's something that's not been addressed. I mean they need to find somebody to, to step up in and, and the scoring department and up their game because what's been on show so far hasn't been good enough.
0: The Gallant Swifts they follow up scoring three the weekend before at the National Stadium. They score three again this week and this week It finally was enough to get them three points. I had a notion this could be on the cards. Ultimately, when you're scoring goals, it's going to give you opportunity to win games. 3-2 is the final result. Horrible result for Coleraine and their fans and just the overall mood up towards the North Coast. They go behind to uh, a Maddie Lusty penalty. Then Kieran O'Hara comes in. That 17-year-old man mountain <laughs> who comes up another little potential gem that, that Rain have found there, gets a goal. They are able to pull it back three minutes later from a nice little volley from Dean Jarvis and all that panic is over. And that comes really from Dungannon just letting Rain come at them. and You don't really want to let a team like and come at them because it gives them confidence to have players like McKendry and others get themselves up, get a bit of speed going. But then, of course, what did Corian go and do once they've got the lead? They then let Dungannon, they stand off and let Dungannon start playing passes, fielding runners, picking out space, and they punish them. First from Thomas Galvin, a young little starlet emerging in his own right, where he's able to beat a defender and slot it in, Lynch loses the ball, close to the box, Dungannon rush in, brought down another penalty for Dungannon, Lussie steps up, misses, scores off the rebound in the 90th minute and the three points go all the way back to County Tyrone and this could be a huge win for Dungannon and they'll probably feel as though they have deserved this the way they've been playing. And so a lot of them have been penalties, but Matty Lusty scoring. Thomas Galvin's been scoring a bit. Dungannon are are now getting results. And surprise, surprise, it's because they're fighting their shooting boots.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. And what a fantastic week for Dungannon and Rodney Macquarie. They progressed in the League Cup, they reached the semi-finals and they'll be playing Linfield and they did it with extra time. Thomas Galvin, the hero there, scoring the equaliser late on in normal time and then open in the scoring an extra time on on the way to that four two win. And the mental resolve, I think, to come back from playing 120 minutes on a Tuesday night to go straight into playing one of one of the top half teams away from home on the Saturday and, and going and getting another three points, especially after going behind so late. I just think that's really, really impressive and a testament in to the character of of what in many places is a young squad. Tomas Galvin, you know, he, he got those two goals. I thought his goal was really, really well taken against um against Coleray. and He had two defenders closing in and he was just able to pick out the just the right spot to find find that bottom corner. Um when other players might have they might have been flustered by that, but he did really well and picked a spot. And and Matty Lusty, who's been in such fantastic form, that's 18 goals. Across all competitions,
0: that's key. All competitions. I do hit the all competitions stat, but I'll I'll, I'll let it pass.
1: (laughs) Well, he's he's been in absolutely fantastic form. Um, Coming back, he scored the penalty earlier. He got the other one and got the rebound to it. A lot of what Dungannon have got right in terms of scoring goals, you know, they were at times they were struggling to close out games or just find that killer touch that would have seen them potentially get at one point or get all three. But now it's no surprise to me that Dungannon have started picking up results with Matty Lusty stepping up and scoring goals.
0: The Swifts are the last team you want to play right now because they are in a little groove and they are happy to play multiple games a week. They're getting results, they're scoring goals, they've got confidence, they've got plenty of young guns up and going. And I'm sure Macarillo feels feel as though this is the team that he felt he had for a majority of the season and now they're getting the results which they've wanted all year. Final game locals slide continues not that we expected anything else they lose 4-1 at home to the Reds a rampant Cliftonville, who got out to a nice little healthy lead and then the game was was pretty much over with maybe half an hour or so to go. Looking dangerous. They always are. They have goals coming from everywhere. Lockall had uh, plenty of things they were frustrated about, mainly how the first goal came to be, the uh, disagreement on, on the corner that led to the goal. But last five games, one draw out of the past five, we didn't expect them to keep their, their momentum going. But uh, uh, they've definitely... Hit reality when it comes to the top flight.
1: Yeah, it's it's petered out a little bit for Lockall in recent weeks. And um, then obviously that hot start in the case of Lockall, it could it could be so crucial when it comes to the end that when there are these sorts of runs, they've had their strong runs and and that's ultimately got them the points that they need to stay up. So from Dean Smith's point of view, it's about you know settling them down, and getting them back to basics, and and just finding their groove again. But on this occasion, it was Cliftonville's day. For me, it's a close tie between Cricky Gallagher's goal and, and uh, uh, Dean Jarvis's volley for, for goal of the week. It was a really, really good hit by, by Gallagher in the second half from, from distance that really picked out the bottom right corner. And that comes after two two well-taken finishes from Ronan Hale, who's who's been in great form ever since he made his return from injury. It looked like Cliftonville were going to lose him Potentially for longer than than had been initially speculated, but since he's came back in from fitness, he's he's picked up where he's left off from last season, and he's been scoring important goals. Um, and it was two really composed finishes that that set them on their way. The, the where Cliftonville have struggled, the only places that they've really struggled are when they're playing Linfield and, and Larne. It's it's one point out of twelve against those two teams, whereas compared to pretty much everyone else in the division, you know, except for maybe they had a defeat to Glenn Torrin and a draw in the other game against Lockall. But apart from that, they've they've pretty much picked up every point available against, you know, teams below them in the table. So I think that's got to be applauded from Jim Magilton in terms of um, the way that they've kept composed and not been complacent whenever they've came up against teams that they're expected to beat.
0: We'll bring back a little episode of the pod from last year. Shine it up real good as uh, we look ahead to the January window. Pricing itself open again for transfers. I decided I would take a look at each team and try and decipher if they have the ability to do a bit of moving and shaking. What area of the squad do they need? What is the type of player that could come in and help them and... The rest of the season on a high. Let's quickly mark off Lauren as it's pretty easy to say. We've talked about it already. I think it's in that centre midfield. They're looking great at the back as always. They've got plenty of bodies there. They've got resources out wide with the likes of Ives and Cosgrove and Glenn. They've got more than three or four strikers up there. It's At the start of the season, they didn't replace Sule. And if he's gonna be linked, we may as well put him there. It was set in midfield. If they can get Kennedy, ASAP, Rocky, uh, that would be brilliant for them. I think if they want to improve, that's the key area. Lauren gonna put Kennedy there, but broadly, set in midfield is probably the area you'd want to improve. Looking at their other title rivals, Linfield pre past few weeks, I would have said. Centre defence, something they needed at the start of the season. They brought in Eunice and that's worked out very, very well when it comes to form and lack of injuries. But right now, centre midfield looks like the area that they could really do with a player. Yes, they're, they're struggling up top as well. It's, it seems to be Fitzpatrick plus one other, and that's based on form and injuries. But if they could get another body in there, it, I think it would do them worldly good moving forward just even mix it up because between McLean and Shields and Mulgrew and Fallon that's a great room but right now they're not getting on the pitch if, if you were Linfield and you looked across the league you know we we, we all loves the likes of Miller or, or, and Sule but is there a type of player you think that they, that would really suit them at this stage of the season
1: the Chris Shields injury is it's a big blow the injury that he sustained against Lyon that's now ruled him out long-term. A player in that sort of position who is able to dictate the play and also do the defensive work. You've got Jamie Mulgrew, who's in engine room, and he's shown that. But that sort of sitter, that was a role that was very specialist to Chris Shields. So looking across the league, I think you look at other clubs that have got it right. I've always been an admirer of Ronan Doherty at Cliftonville. I'm not saying Linfield will sign him, but he is the kind of player I would look at. He is somebody that can switch the play. He can play it short and he could just link things up. And for me, the base of midfield is the priority and Chris Shields is a hard player to replace.
0: You're telling me, absolutely. And there's no one, I, I do think that actually in the league right now, Settlement fielders across the league. There just there is a bit of a gap between the absolute top end and their one further down down the pecking order. So it's hard to go. This is who it would be. I don't think there's any clear candidates who are moving down. The Brad Lions talk from last January is just a pipe dream. The way he's been playing, you know, now getting into the Northern Ireland squad. So who it is again? It's just one of these fantasy players that are playing elsewhere. You just don't know who's floating around. So. That's an area I feel they could they could go with it. To keep on, on the set midfielder fielder chat, I've looked at Corey in this season and people have seen them score plenty of goals. They have lots of danger men that you can highlight. The squad with McDade, Shevlin, Mitchell, even McCrodden. That looks, you've got depth there, particularly for a, a team in that area. You just got to get them cooking again. It's further you go behind the likes of Glacken and McHandry. They are crying out for a centre midfielder and a centre midfielder with a bit of bite. If they could just patch together Stephen Lory and get him going, I think it would add a bit more diamondism to this team. They've tried to get Kane in there. They've tried to fit Carson in there more recently. And Lynch gets about there as well. But if it's, it's really in that mould of being someone that can do... A bit more of the crunching. As you say, we all want that defensive midfielder. There's only so many about there that that's really top end. and Again, I, I look across the league and I like plenty of players. I'm a big fan of, of, of Dylan at Dungannon. I, I really like Jack Malone as well. Uh, Glenavon, that's just not the player who's going to pop up. So were a Korean finds somebody like that, I don't know. But I think they've been crying out for that. The tough one here is actually maybe Cliftonville because they look great. Their record of conceding goals is amazing broadly. All the attacking flair is great. I I think for them it's perhaps maybe getting a bit more resources and a bit more backbone when it comes to that defence. They're doing well but particularly if they're playing three on the regular. I I don't know if you saw two or three injuries that the likes of the crews are having. Do they have the players that could step in and would be of a title-chasing quality? So if they could bring in a player who could play across that back line and they could settle in and out and don't mind just not starting straight away, I think that would be good to have in reserve. Uh, Maybe out wide left just because Sean Stewart's questions over if he will return from his injury and, and, and from his club playing Rhys Jordan out there It's he's a young teenager he's, he's got a lot of progression to do but for a team like Cliftonville they need top end players in absolutely every position some would argue you need to so perhaps maybe some more defensive stability maybe a, a player who can play centre back and adjust out into the more wider areas would be ideal where they come from is an Ethan McGee, perhaps he's been touted about as a player. Um, is it maybe they take another player from another club who's not getting game time? Uh, I know Michael away hasn't been starting week in, week out for Lorne, but I'm sure Lorne to keep him because they're one injury away from him being back in the team. Griffinville squad from 1-11 has just been excellent this season really, haven't they?
1: Yeah, I would agree there. Um, you're looking at the defensive line for what for what they've got there. You know, Johnny Addis, I think, has been absolutely colossal. I think he's been really, really good this season. I thought he had a few, a few moments last year, but he's coming back to to something certainly approaching his best this time around. And certainly since David Odomosius came in between the sticks, he's put in several impressive performances and interestingly there is talk that he could be recalled in january so that's potentially a situation that it's certainly one clintonville will want to avoid but
0: he has been a good good presence and yes that's been an area of the pitch that they've struggled in in recent times just getting a long-term replacement does that mean they're in for a Roy brown i would be slightly surprised but uh it's it's an area where i think at, at, across that back line they've got plenty of juice from the squeeze you know, the players have been playing up to uh, the high standard for, for for them
1: yeah and even the players that he's called in the likes of Shay Kearney who's he's assumed a real regular role recently he scored a brilliant goal against Glenn Torrin um and has has generally you know risen to the plate perhaps earlier than he thought he might have I agree with you there Peter in terms of the overall starting 11 is is strong. I think even if Gallagher does do part, you're looking at a player like Oren Casey, who I think came lead to some pounds under McGilton. He's he's sometimes slotted in defense. It's natural positions in the center of midfield. Potentially, that is Clintonville's go-to option in the interim. If, if Gallagher does leave that, they stick Casey in there. Um and I think it was, was it Paddy McLaughlin had said uh, it was McLaughlin or it was Magilton, I can't remember which, but they said that Casey had the potential to be a future captain. And Potentially that's he he could really rise to the plate if if his opportunity comes in the wake of Gallagher leaving. In terms of other areas of the squad, Rory Hale, he's extended his contract. Absolutely no questions over his starting role. Um, you've got Ronan Hale, his brother who's who's hit form. You've got Ben Wilson. Um, maybe his departure more one to think about at the end of the season. But if he keeps going as he has, then then Clintonville will will keep taking over nicely. Um Yeah, I think that is the main area um, where I think they need to focus on really is in terms of depth.
0: To move away from the top six and and look at some teams below, then we'll get back to the Glens and the Crews. I think there's definitely a few teams here where it's, it's not hard to pick out whatever the pitch they need to improve in. Let's just go straight to Balmina. They needed a striker, and probably two to three of them, like, last month you know that 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 is the first thing they'll be crying out for of course as we'll always say they're the hardest thing to go out and find and they'll be scoring through all of the top six all of their reserve games to try and see have they got anybody they could just roll a dice on because if they can find a lusty or even a a jeb boy you know that that is perhaps the the area they're going to try try and find and it's Strangely, looking at those those clubs in, in the top six, there is a huge amount where you are like, bang that you know that that's a player who could do the business for us. So they struggle to get strikers in just before the end of the transfer window in the summer. So where where do they get where do they get the striker from? Um, like if you if you look into the championship uh, again, some of the best strikers in the championship are one risks because often they aren't proven to be able to deliver at the standard they'll need in the top flight I will they adjust to it and as well as that a lot of these clubs in the championship aren't here just to give up their players willy nilly so is a zach bar perhaps a player they could bring in and just fingers crossed it will, will come together for them it's so so tough but it's what they need they need bodies and they need game changers there i think for any of the bottom bottom sides like i look at Nury who have have a few players that are strikers that aren't absolutely banging them in clearly if, if they're looking at a player like last season you saw josh archer go to porter down for pretty much a majority of the season and seeing the play maybe 80 percent of the games there what he was able to do as a teenager was progress the ball from deep and go forward with it could he be the difference for a player like that you know i I think before the past few weeks i'd be saying i was surprised he didn't go on loan again from linfield and i was expecting him to maybe go on loan after he wasn't getting much game time for the blues but look at the way things are going recently he can play a set midfield david hilly would rather have him here and now rather than worry about his long-term development i'd say
1: yeah i think um there is, a, there is something to factor in with, with Balamina and Nuri, and that is that there are players that are still to come back, because we look at Nuri and, and Donald Scullion, who was probably their player of the year last year, hasn't played at all this season because of injury, and from Balamina's point of view, Westendorf is due to go back to Lorne in January, um, and We've probably not seen the best of either Carter Freeler or, or Johnny McMurray who both um who both re-signed for Balamina and who've who both had some fitness issues since um since their returns. So I guess that's something to factor in in terms of giving those players that came in, you know, in Balamina's case that came in in the off-season, whether they can make the difference. But we also have to factor in that, that Freel and Johnny McMurray aren't the players that they were in the in the peak Balamina years of of four or five years ago, I think Balamina will certainly be on the hunt. And it is painstakingly obvious where they need to improve. And it is up top. And Jim Irvin has said on repeated occasions this season that he's he's pretty sick of seeing players making mistakes. And that if he continues to see the same players make the same mistakes, then, then they're going out the door. I think it is an opportunity for Irvin, as a newcomer to management, to really potentially show a bit of a ruthless streak. And the same with Gary Boyle, although I think he has a good squad at his disposal that he's perhaps still finding the best way to use. You know, you're wondering at, at New York, could you get that partnership with Adam Sally and, and Lee Newell going? Um, Lee Newell, who was at Fryland and who, who scored regularly at the Amateur League and um, for me is, is a bit more than a goal scorer as well. You know, there is the potential, I think, for a link up between those two to work. So, I think a mix you know if Balamina and Nuri want to improve their fortunes I think it'll come down to a mix of number one finding the right player to suit their needs um and number two perhaps reflecting on their systems um their tactical game plans and adapting to perhaps get more out of players that um that are at their disposal because for them being in the position that they're in in the table there is a bit of untapped potential
0: to go back to Nuri they have the worst defense in the league they statistically and uh, a few more bodies back there uh, would probably be handy or at least they would like to change it up center backs who were great players and uh, are slightly aging are not a dime a dozen and that's the title player you just want to fit right in there i know a player who may have lost a, a yard of pace in their boots but have gained it in their their defensive mind Lauren have a whole load of defenders, but do they want to send them out like that? You know, what about then when you're at the bottom of the league is a 19 or 20 year old who's doing a bit of business in the the reserve league? Really, the player that can get you over the line, I guess, for some of these players, it's just going to be some of these clubs. It's just going to be perhaps looking beyond the league and who's coming up from the League of Ireland which is exactly what Glen Avon's done they've got three names in already and I think as a, a team that needed bodies as well and they've got a few dice rolls as well like, uh, players I couldn't really uh, claim to know much about but um, again just to Tie up a bit of who needs attacking play. Glen just do not have bodies up there. They're relying on a teenager Prendergast and then out of position players like McCloskey to try and do something for them. Now, they've had that Fitzpatrick Hall for a while and it's it's just about, I don't know, is is there... Do they want to take on someone who's a bit older that they could give a go to? You could look at Glen Tord and say that they've got quite a large squad but a lot of them are enjoying playing full-time football. Do they want to step down? You know, is there maybe within that Cliftonville squad, somebody young who could be given a go? I feels as though Glen beyond just a young, unproven, let's see what happens. They need someone that's that done the business and, and they can try and uh, get a bit more out of. So that's what I think with Glen Avon. they're much improved recently. Carrick probably back to the opposite end. I think they could do with a bit more. Now, they've got all this experience up top and it's probably at the back, which they could do with a bit more flow too but if they can maybe freshen things up out wide in that midfield a bit of body i know they've got plenty of experience but just that one extra player that maybe that that's somebody out wide who can i know they've got tilney and 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 forsyth can come from deep how long he's going to be there papers are talking about he might be moving on but just maybe someone higher up the pitch wide winger could change things up i feel like this car team are solid, but could do with that bit of... that wee spark, something a bit unpredictable.
1: I think Carrick are in a good place, all told, and particularly in their attacking line. You know, you have Danny Perkis, who's really taken the mantle. You've got Nedas Asmachulitis. You've got David Cushley. And in terms of that general array, it's a good front line to have. You've got Emmett McGuckin as well, who's a physical presence. Perhaps it's a little bit more on the rear guard um, in terms of where they can strengthen They've also got a good academy. They've got a couple of young players. They've regularly named young players on their bench, but then that could also speak to needing just a little bit more in terms of depth. Midfield, Lloyd Anderson was obviously a standout for them last season, went to Crusaders. Could they potentially look at midfield reinforcements? They don't want placeholders. I think they're looking for players that can come in and potentially be part of a longer-term core. Whether that happens this January, I think they'll sign maybe one or two, but I don't think they'll break the bank for what it's worth are in a good position right now.
0: You look at the Swifts and you think everything's just changed in the past few weeks. They look like they've actually got something to come off the bench and are trying to build a squad mixed with youth, uh, mixed with a bit of experience to guide them along the way it's got an interesting balance between it um they're able to ride the wave ever so slightly with injuries you know Thomas Aguirre has been out for a few games Reese Campbell's been been out since the start of the season pretty much you know they're welcoming players like that back you know I'm a big fan of Dylan in the middle of the park Knowles can come in there and uh you know they've got some young guns scoring goals um goalkeeper's been a a difficult position for them I'm sure they'll be on the lookout for I know they brought in Connor Mitchell but between him and Declan Don. there's been injuries there has been poor form it's probably at the back which has been a weakness for them and even though they're winning they're conceding a lot it's it's probably trying to find that elusive experienced defender from somewhere who can just come in and settle things you have at the back that three of Dean Curry and Keelan Marin and and and, and Hegarty when he when he's playing as well, but you know, he hasn't been playing a lot this season. It's probably just that one more player to fit in there, and you know, look like an Albert Watson style player who's been there, done that, and 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 can just sure things up for them uh, is key. Lockers a wee bit tougher. They've fallen off, but they have that spark which I was saying Carr could do with and Benji McGee and other players out wide and between Nathaniel Ferris and Jay Boyd. Question, of course, will be Jay Boyd. Stick around there in January, Could be recalled. I don't know how long his loan was originally. Local, it's perhaps just a bit, probably a body in the centre midfield. I like Oren Brogan in the centre, but he's very young. And they've changed a lot in there. A player like and I don't think he's on the move, a James Knowles esque, a Dylan esque player, just to settle things in a bit more, cut out that transition, which they're very weak to from other players. Would would just settle them. Probably even without the experience, maybe just a bit of energy, you know, I keep going to the likes of of Archer and others, but that's where I think their team that could go a flyer on any of the top sides going. Are are they barely sniffing your bench? fire over a young midfielder and, and we can give them game time which would make sense for both parties really
1: from a continuity point of view i can't see local changing things up too much dean smith's been loyal to the core that he has that that's got them into the league in the first place he's got a consistent system and a consistent way of playing and yes there is a question over jay boy who's been impressive for goal, but his his loan's due to expire in january and question marks over whether he'll stay for longer, but he seems to be enjoying his football. Lockall, I think, will be keen to, to try and extend that if possible. Benji McGee, obviously, his impressive form um, and, and the goals that he scored, you know, it's naturally going to command interest from other clubs. Hopefully, they can stave that off until the end of the season because he's obviously been important in that department. He's been delivering match winning goals. Yeah, I would say potentially, as you said, an extra body in midfield. And maybe somebody to beef up the fullback positions is just somebody that can come in and, and as you say, steady the ship. That they're they've had a bit of a slump, but they don't want it to go on too long. And they've got experience in there. They've got the likes of the Ben Murdoch's of this world who've who've been there and done that. But, you know, they are dangerous in transition, but they also get caught out in transition. They've had a few goals this season where it's been down to a one-on-one situation where they've got beaten, and they don't want that to cost them points going forward. I think that stability is what they need. I think potentially a striker as well, alongside, you know, what Benji McGee's doing, another goal scorer to try and take the burden off them. I think they'll be smart about it and they have a proven track record that they they won't change up anything that they don't need to.
0: Of course, their team that, Aren't going to have a whole big budget to try and, and change things up and they have been able to get uh, so much out of the squad that got them into the top flight and they're a team that isn't exactly panicking so um, they will be looking for favours if they are to change anything up there. To go then to the cruise, our penultimate team, this is a team which is just I don't know how they approach January, do they try and re? I don't think they're going to in fact try and reload to go for a big push. Ben Kennedy looks like he's out the door. They did bring in more than they usually would in the summer with Jordan Forsyth and, and with James Thielen, uh, Mikhail Kennedy, who hasn't really been getting any games for them. Maggie Smith came in. Do we see them being blooded a bit further alongside the likes of, of Lloyd Anderson? Do they trust in them? They're a squad that clearly needs more players. They were never the biggest squad to begin with and it's just how they approach it. I think if you're them, unfortunately for Lockall, I think you do bring back Jay Boyd, and you try and give him up top there, pretty much relying on Jordan Owens or Adam Leckie in that central role, and, and that's it, uh, pretty much to rotate, and uh, get Jay Boyd, and, um, they're 32 and 34 between them. I, I think you bring him in and try and make him a key part, which he will be for them next season, regardless of who you bring in. It's, it's a striker. The question is, is do they try and get ahead of somebody and go right we are going to get ahead and try and get you to blood it's all blooding maybe players for next year and is it uh i think every team would want a mckendry or it's 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 trying to get a a great player and uh I, i'm improve this team long term
1: yeah that is that has been the question for crusaders i think over the past couple of years is that they have an old starting 11, you know, they have one of the oldest squads in the league. It's averaging 31 and 32 years old. um. So it is just about those younger players that they have at their disposal. You know, James Taylor when he has featured for Crusaders, has been bright. And he is somebody that can also work across the front line. You know, you could potentially play him down the middle or you can play him down the wing. He is somebody who I think offers a bit of versatility and Mikhail Kennedy, who's he's not really got a crack at the web, but he scored a few goals in the cups. So do you look at him as an alternative? Yes, Adam Leckie has laid off quite a lot of assists. He is an awkward player to face because of his size, because he's physical, because he can hold the ball up. And Jordan Owens is somebody I think you still look at as, as a player who can impact from as a substitute, maybe, maybe not starting regularly, but somebody who can nick a goal off the bench. I think it is a key period for Crusaders because they, on the face of it, they did recruit well in the summer. There was the blow with Jimmy Callagher getting injured for the season and obviously the situation with the likes of Thielen and, and Mal Smith coming into the team. They're fighting players like Paul Heatley and, and Billy Joe Burns who've been absolute staples of Stephen Baxter and his Crusaders for, for so many years. So perhaps there are some of the tools in place, but how do you manage that transition and get a few more younger players in because we're facing facts these players won't last forever and Crusaders are some way off the title race is now potentially the ideal opportunity to to bring a few more players in that they signed in the summer and give them a bit more of a crack at the whip.
0: The key thing will be is that if Ben Kennedy is, is brings in what I might not all be up front, but let's let's make a fantasy number of, of 75, let's just say. Might not be close at 50, whatever. Do they go, let's reinvest? Because they, they didn't pull the trigger on money for Fitzpatrick uh, last January, and I'm, I'm sure they would potentially regret that. Now I think he would be the perfect player for that team. And do they go, right, we want Benji Gee right here, right now. We're not going to wait around. We're going we're to get him, McHenry, whoever you whoever you want this this player to be. That's what'll be interesting about it where it might not go. This is not your absolute dire need. Have you looked the state of your centre backs? They might go, "No problem. We're just going to have to try and blood these boys in. Corey Burns, you're back from Balamina. We're we're, we're going to make this work and we'll we'll try and reset." Fascinating and it's all a domino effect and I think it will come from Ben Kennedy and it won't be a case of needing to try and get things over the line it's about for now it might just be about let's start building for next season uh tomorrow glentorne they are a big bulky squad but haven't got the results that they want this is again probably one of the more easier ones but it's in a different different kind of sphere when it comes to other teams they have got goals recently but it is a striker. They they will be looking for a team at the top league will always be looking for a striker, no doubt. But I, I think between the way Jed uh, Donnelly's been this season, Junior, ha, do they absolutely love him long term? He's a he's a nice player to riff off others. But I think maybe are they looking for an absolute A number one player? Are they out there? It's not clear. They just have a lot of bodies elsewhere and. Perhaps a lot of the answer for what other teams below them will have, or maybe not below them, around them in the league, we could see some of the players all move from this Glenn Tor Glenn side that we just can't pick out right now. I think it'd be striker would be good. I can see them being all over um the players I said for Crusaders, to be honest. McKendry maybe, who I believe is at a contract at the NSR, may be wrong. Um Damian McGee is 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 Benji McGee is is going to be a player that everyone's looking at in the the top sides. McGovern, I'm talking about wide players here, not not absolute number ones down the centre. So they are definitely a team who could pick down a player who comes from across England. Or do they make a huge statement and go, we want Patrick O'Ban from Dundalk and all the huge amount of goals he's got, even at 32, just a massive statement player like that. It's the area I think that they'd be most likely to go in and it's just about trying to find the right link up
1: yeah i could see glenn toren going for a striker although saying that in january it might be tough to predict because glenn toren do have a lot of players right injured and and there's there's bodies in there that are waiting to get back in you know bobby burns coming back in for a start there's still shannon Klukas who's not played in a senior minute this season and a couple of others Luke mcculloch's been in out of the team we injury Aidan Wilson, who's now suspended and also was has had a few injury issues in his time at Glentoran. I think with them it's just a matter of what they've got, because to my eye, they're pretty strong in defense. I don't think they need reinforcement there. I think if they keep Wilson fit, they keep Paddy McLean fit, they keep James Singleton and they've got Wilson, you know, it's um it's a good defensive core that they've got. And in midfield, I think again, they're 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 looking good when Bobby Burns is pretty fit throughout Suday's put in a number of good performances recently. Uh, and in particular, Shane McCartan, who's I think he's had his roles slightly adjusted in Glenn Torren's system that's really working for him. So I think in midfield they're also pretty strong. Wide areas, is Darryl O'Connor, who is just a player that can turn the afterburners on at the flick of a switch, like he can just leave you for dust. And a player that can weave that sort of magic, you know. Glenn Glentoran fans know all about that with Conor McManaman. I Darren Connor has that same capability, in my view. Striker, yeah, I'd say I I like Jay Donnelly. I like his profile. He's a, he's a really good player in the penalty area. Somebody who doesn't really need a lot of touches. He is somebody who's alert to his um, his surroundings and can set chances up for others. So he is a player that you know Warren Feeney didn't want to lose him. And talks with Jamie McGonagall in the summer. And I think he was he was right to keep him and Junior. You know he has his qualities. I think he's been a bit inconsistent, but he does he is somebody that can kind of hold the ball up. And that is that's the target I would look at. I think Jamie McGonigal. You know he he wasn't, he wasn't willing to leave Derry City initially. There were question marks in the summer about his future. I think he's happy at Derry City, but if Glen Torn really put the boot out for him, could that potentially, you know, rekindle something? I'd still say that there's there's a potential for a big striker addition to come in.
0: Before we look ahead to this week, and Games, big old podcast, but still a bit of room to talk about some of the stuff you've been talking about. Um, Interesting little feature you wrote about on... Your blog, Football Chatters, about the uh, recent fun new boys to Irish League life, Ballymacash Rangers. What is in there that people can, uh, what little nuggets did you discover in your research for that piece?
1: So I did a feature, as you said, it's up on the blog on Ballymacash. Um, about 3,000 words, so it's absolutely jam-packed with stuff. Um, primarily focusing on their 18-months. As an Irish League football club, and the progression, the meteoric progression that they've had since they've um, since they achieved promotion from from the Mid Ulster League, um, they finished second in in the Premier Intermediate League last year, reached the promotion playoff where they um where they just fell short against North in the end, capped off a season in which they picked up sixty points. They finished above a lot of established Irish League outfits, the likes of your Queens Universities and your Moyola Parks and Lisburn Distilleries. And this season they've continued, they're top of the league, they're top of the PIL at present, and they've got a County Antrim Shield semi-final to look, to look forward to. And all the more impressive with it being their um, first participation in the competition. So the piece discusses all of that. It discusses the foundations of um, of how they came to be, you know, a club from Lisburn. Founded about 40 years ago, getting into the Irish League from beating St. James's Swifts in the promotion playoff in 2022 and that impressive first season. That's all covered, you know, the key players behind that some discussion on influential figures and the great work that, that Lee Forsyth has done as manager to get them to this point. So absolutely jam packed with stuff. And, um, Feel
0: free to check it out. Fantastic. A club I think everyone is intrigued by. There is a big old Lisburn shaped hole, many would argue within football in Northern Ireland of what could be if a club could capture the imagination of a an area like that. I, I, I often say that that uh, realistically Lisburn is a Linfield stronghold, has been for a long time. That that would be difficult to shake, and perhaps Lisburn's too much of a transient place. For people, because just the movement in and out of Belfast, there perhaps for for people to go. This they wouldn't have previous connections other clubs, but I definitely think Ballymacash um, are a club that has ambitions to fill that void. And uh, ambitious is the word. You're gonna see it that they are investing, they're pushing for it, and I'm sure uh, we'll talk about another podcast about the push for for Niffle and Jared Lawler. He wants every single club in the PIL to want to have an idea or a notion to get into the top flight, you can see that Cash uh, Rangers would love for that to be the case. This is the final podcast before Christmas and uh, all the stuff of Boxing Day. So we look at these fixtures, we'll kind of broadly just, just look at them. We all know what the Boxing Day games are. It's all of your usual derby games, Ballymina, Korean carrick against lorne the east coast collision Cliftonville north belfast derby, Cliftonville cruise linfield glens we don't have the mid ulster derby uh, glavin porter down that's going to be nuri against glenavon Lockall against the swifts and the next podcast you'll hear will be post christmas it'll be the boys from around the grounds they'll be here to chat through both game weeks but just very quickly ahead this weekend is there a fixture that stands out? Uh, Linfield against Rain is the only top six meeting that we have here. Uh, the rest of them are top, bottom six. Very much like the past week. Lauren all Nury against Carrick being the, the bottom six meeting there. Cliftonville balamina Swifts against Glentorin, Glen, Torn, Glen Alvin against Cruz. Interesting game, which I have my eye on. Which one stands out to you?
1: Nuri Carrick Rangers stands out to me because that's big on two fronts. You have got uh, the situation with Nuri, who are relegation-threatened um, and in need of points. They're on this horrendous losing run, but they also um, went to Carrick and, and beat them in the um, in the League Cup on penalties. It's a venue that's uh, they're at home on this occasion. That was away from home in the League Cup, but that was a happy hunting grind. Carrick, who've got all these attacking resources, but are potentially a bit light in defense. I think that's the potential. They actually be quite an entertaining game. And I think if Nuri really get their setup right and they generally hit the right notes in terms of their attacking play, they could potentially pick holes in the card defense. And ahead of Balomino playing Cliftonville, which um, Cliftonville I think will enter as, as pretty strong favorites, um, I think that's a big opportunity at the bottom for, for Nuri to, to really steal a march. In terms of elsewhere. Dungannon against Glen Torrin,
0: that game finished goalless at the Oval. The Macquarie Bowl, that's, that's really, yeah. I do like against the, this yeah, that, you do have, that is interesting, Nuri against Carrick, it's a big couple of days for Nuri because they've got Carrick at home, uh, then they also host Glenavon a couple of days later, and then before uh, we're all singing Aulang Zai, it's Dungannon away, which is a hard fixture that was a couple of weeks ago, but if they come out of those without a victory somewhere, they'll they'll feel as though they've missed a chance, or at least it's it's an easier chance compared to some of the victories that they are unlikely to get against top six sides. So it's a big couple of days for them. But yes, Dungannon, who are in form, scoring goals against Glentoran, who uh, themselves have got some nice big results. It's at Steinmore Park as well, which actually Dungannon. That isn't the same kind of tricky patch as it has been uh in previous months but i like that i can as i as i thought there might have been a shock last week against Korean. you can just see if dungannon can get an early goal an unsettled glentoran side away from the oval knowing they need to win having played an entire game with 10 men pretty much last saturday a lot a lot to be intrigued by there.
1: We've got the form Dungannon are on. They've had a really good week as as we've discussed earlier. And I think that'll that'll be a hard game for Glenn Torren. You know, Macquarie obviously had a successful six months in charge or so in terms of getting them out of that rut that they were in, and then eventually getting them into the playoff. Dungannon are starting to hit their groove. Matty Lusty and Tomas Galvin are in good form, and Glen Torren will have to be, you know, fully concentrated if they want to go out. And get three points. But then if Glenn Torren also have any lingering title ambitions, which I think has been inspired by their their recent form, those are the sort of tight games that you've got to come out on the right side of. So it'll be close. I, I can't see it being any more than a one goal game, to be honest. Um I just think if I'm looking at it, I think you know Dungan have hit the note have, have have hit the net recently. They've hit the net more often than they were in the early part of the season. And Glenn Torren who have shown that they're able to grind out wins as well. It is one that could go either way, and in terms of doing Warren Feeney a favour, you know, and, and getting the Glenns fans onside and proving that that recent run isn't a blip. It's genuinely an upward trajectory. I think those are the games you've got to, you've got to get points out of.
0: Glenn Avon will smell blood against Crusaders at home. They are uh, an injured animal, and Glenn are feeling confident, and we'll be somewhat buoyed by that performance they had against the Blues at home as well. Cliftonville will just want to send Balamina into outer space uh, when they take them on at Solitude. That will just be get the goals early and uh, build up the confidence ahead of what will be a tricky game as any Derby game will be on Boxing Day against Crusaders. Linfield have a great record against Coleraine. Usually at home, it's been draws in previous time, but you think at home uh, Linfield will have enough to uh, take apart that Coleraine defence. Lorne should uh, be able to continue on their good run at Lockall at home on Friday night. And if I was to pick there, I just, I think, with the likes of Perkis, I just think players like that are going to be a difference maker for Carrick against Newry City. So... Lots of football over the next few days was all to see. Um, before I let you go, Lewis, other regular listeners to the pod will know that you are a banger man. Got a bit of jip from banger fans when I questioned a decision to tweet out uh, the idea of investment. Any news or able to just talk about what's going on there? Potentially North American money men, money people on their way. What is the story? And are you all excited about uh, banger winning the Champions League. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's an interesting opportunity, and news that certainly took me off guard. As I as I understand it, the new owners were present last week for face to face talks. They were at the game against Nockbreda. Unfortunately, they saw a win. <laughs> um, uh, I'm told that they were quite impressed in terms of the facilities and what. The club was doing in terms of the way that it was run and, and and getting the the community to to get around the team and so that was something that impressed them further face-to-face talks in the new year and i'm excited to see how it progresses because coming from where banger was you know six six and a half years ago whenever the future of the club was in doubt and and there were those sorts of concerns and, and since then we've been able to rise up a couple of divisions and um be competitive in the championship, spending most of the season in the top half. So it's interesting, you know, if if it really comes to fruition, it could be it could be a big opportunity for the club in terms of um the playing squad obviously is the first thing we're going to look at. But you know, there's plans to upgrade Clandyboy Park and and the general facilities and potentially even make the next step in terms of the model. So yeah, it's um it's a lot to take in because um you know, we've not really had these conversations concerning banger before and an investment of this scale. So tinge of apprehension, tinge of excitement. But um team's doing well on the pitch and there's a lot to be happy about. So um really hoping, you know, something good can come out of this and, and it can help the club take the next step, whatever whatever course that may be.
0: A a man and a community and a town can dream. Not in the bag just yet, but I, I'm sure anybody who uh are Uh, Banger followers or have an inkling for the side, they'll be they'll be buzzing about the prospect. A big mammoth one, a huge big stocking filler for anybody that's out and about doing some last minute Christmas shopping, which I'm sure Lewis uh, might be joined there. One of yous out there, good luck. Remember, perfumes are presents, always a good. That's why God invented perfume for Christmas. And uh, until next time, Lewis. Until next time, we chat in 2024. Thank you so much for joining me. I will see you all here next week between Christmas and New Year when I get the uh, Around the Grounds boys back on the pod for another Big Bumper podcast until then goodbye and chat to you soon pleasure Peter stick a bow around it, fire it under the tree as we are done thank you very much for listening this week and any other weeks that you have. This is the second Christmas that Kicking matches made it to, which is nice, means that I've been sticking around and I wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for yourself. But lay in the secret. If you want to regift this podcast, I ain't got no problem with it. Share it around. Regift it a few times. Good way to do that is by sharing some information about the show on social media. And if you aren't following me, you know you can do that. as easy as a click of a button just go to add kicking match on instagram facebook or twitter it's all as simple as that you might have a little question or a note or a thought or a feeling you can do that there or you can email the show as always it's kicking match all one word at gmail.com before you go, you know that you can, of course, make this podcast hand free. May have a little beverage in your hand, you may have more than one. You just need to ask your smart speaker to please play a kicking match. An Irish League podcast. Final thing, gift to me if you want to give it. You know you can follow this, subscribe to this podcast for nothing on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. Just go into our little kicking match page and hit the appropriate button. It means you get a little notification to say, hey, he's got his podcast up. And with it being slightly off-scheduled next week, post-boxing day and the rest, it's a good time to do it. It means you're not wondering, when has he got that done? Because I haven't sorted out the day I'm recording just yet. So it gives you a little notification to say, hey, Peter has uploaded the podcast. Until then, have an absolutely amazing Christmas, whatever way it looks like, regardless of what you do. Take a time for yourself. Take a little break. Be thankful if you can be. Be thoughtful if you can be be easy on yourself this kind of time of year can be a fun one but it can also feel like you're lost amongst the madness and of course there can be a bit of sadness mixed in there as well you're feeling down randomly i think it's the most natural thing in the world especially if we're overdoing at these christmas do's. nothing gets you down or mellow quite like a big old heavy christmas tree. whatever it is though enjoy christmas whatever way you want to Thanks for listening. I'll see you again soon and enjoy the 300 games of football which is ahead of us. Cheers.